Hello strangers, you're listening to the Strangers in the Cinema podcast, episode 19. I'm here, I'm here, me, Paul Anderson, here, with Connor Gagan. Hello. And Pete Wall. Hello there. How are we all today? Good man. Uh, it's been quite a while, hasn't it? So it's nice really? to be sat around this here microphone and sort of pitching back in. I actually didn't recognise either of you when you arrived today. I know. it's been that long since we did a podcast. Yeah, it's been about five years, I think. Five I think years. It yeah. feels like everything's changed, but everything has also stayed the same. Um, we've got one episode to go, this one, until we get to the momentous episode 20, which is already creating a great deal of excitement, I think, amongst the group. It, it has almost broken the internet. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think it will break the internet, because we've yeah. got so many ideas <laughs> that we don't know where, even where to start with episode 20. Yeah, we've got to get through episode 19. Well, usually, so. usually our best ideas for the podcast come up when we're in the pub and we've had a couple of beers, and then by the time we get to do the podcast, we've forgotten what the actual ideas were. Sometimes they're like noted down in someone's phone. Oftentimes I break my phone, and so I lose the notes that we had before. But we are aiming to get it out by 2020. Yeah, we'll go for that. Yeah, I so, think, well, you've been you've been on holiday, my life fell apart, and you haven't seen any fucking films, have you? So uh, No, I've been, I've been extremely busy watching... Non yeah, what have films. you been watching? I mean, because I've been watching a lot of TV. How many times have you been to the cinema since the last podcast? I I can't remember where it is. <laughs> I I that's the big dark room where they show bright pictures. So basically, yeah. we we plucked you from obscurity of producer. Obscurity. <laughs> yeah. Plucked you from obscurity. You brought me in off the streets. <laughs> we put I you was on a shivering, podcast. I was cold. We put you on a podcast. You caused no end of upset in the last episode. Yeah. And this episode, you haven't seen any films. No, I haven't. You could have been someone, man. You could have been a contender. <laughs> I could have been a contender. I, no, I ha- I've been watching some films, just not at the cinema. Okay. Cool. Well, Paul, um, yeah, you mentioned... I went on holiday. That was nice. I went to Miami. I got a different perspective. Although, as I was telling you guys before we came on, a little bit too similar to dropping myself into a level... A level? Uh, a, a game of Grand Theft Auto, as if they have levels. Yeah, well, it's it's kind. Of, I mean, have you guys ever played Scarface? Because that is obviously how I imagine Miami is exactly. It's, no, we all played Grand Theft Auto like everyone else did. Yeah, but also because <laughs> Miami is it's you went back to the eighties. That's to get there. That's yeah. How it did it yeah. feel like just dragging it a little bit back to films here? Did yeah. it feel like being in a Michael Mann film? Um, not quite as good as that. I would say, although I didn't spend enough time out, sort of in the night time under twilight, and you know neon and stuff like that for, for Michael Mann's liking I don't think but you know it was really get, good to get away I felt really refreshed getting back from my holiday for about a day and then after that it was you know, every, everything's the same again but yeah it was it was a great opportunity got to visit family out there which was great um, yeah I can't complain about hanging out in 35 degree heat for a couple no, of weeks it was no, it was terrible like, yeah, I was awful. away from all never the never make me do that yeah. again and he still managed to watch more films than you yeah, oh, I watched a boatload of films. I went camping with my, with, with, with yourself, yes. and we well we talked about films quite a lot. Could you not yes. take a networked PC when you go I, camping? No, at I least. tried. I tried to hook one up that runs on like potatoes. a projector, project onto a tree or something. You got... That'd be awesome, like yeah. an outside cinema. Make the effort. They have those awesome. as well, don't they? They are a thing. See, the yes. problem is there are so many avenues for me to have been able to watch all of these films, and I just I just haven't. I just haven't done any of them. Well, you mentioned that. I mean, what we thought we'd do today is catch up on a load of stuff that we've seen. An easy way to package that together is via our own UK top 10 at the box office. Um, Obviously, we haven't seen... Well, obviously, I suppose you might expect better of us. We've seen almost everything (laughs) in this top 10. Almost everything. Some of us have almost seen all of them. Yeah, when I say we, I'm talking about myself and Paul. Yeah. 
See, my, I have a problem with the box office of the UK already because the numbers, although they are quite impressive when a movie makes like over £10 million, it just sounds a bit pathetic compared to the Well, no, and just to clarify, we're not, doing, we're not covering the box office because of the films have made money. No. We're covering the box office as a way to catch up yeah, with some just, of the films that have come out that we haven't and talked about because we haven't been, been here to talk about them. So. They've clearly been some of the most uh, popular movies of yes. the summer. So should we just go through the list? Yeah, why not? Let's. We're just going to mention it in the movement. No, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> Fire it so, up. Where okay, are we with 10? The first one was Amy, which didn't ring any bells for me until you mentioned that it's about Amy Winehouse. So we're going to start with a film that yeah. none of us has, has, any, has anyone seen this? Yeah, I mean, all we can really say here is I think that at least Paul and I, I mean, Connor's not aware of what this film is, but I think both of us were kind of excited about seeing it. I know that, um, yeah, people we know have seen Amy and have said really good things. Reviews have been really good. Senna, I've seen, which was the director's previous film, and is, um, well, it brought me... Was it Asif Kapoor, is that the director? I, I believe that's right, right yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really keen to see this. It showed for a limited run. I think it was only doing one screening a day when it was here. Maybe that's right. That, that's my excuse anyway. So, so if anyone out there has seen Amy, which we haven't, yeah. tell us about it and tell us why you think well, we should watch it. Because there was quite a lot of controversy, wasn't there? Uh, controversy about the... <laughs> controversy. Uh, contr- that's it. About because uh, her dad didn't like the movie or something. I don't think he's, he's portrayed particularly um, yeah. but then, well. I'm not saying there has to be a bad guy, but there, there's, there's got to be conflict in a film and, and the film sort of come down somewhere hasn't yeah, it in terms exactly. of what what you were know, the problems what were the issues that were facing her as well as addiction and you know who were the people who were sort of allowing um or influencing her behavior as it, as it yeah. sort of spiraled out of control and speaking of not pleasing everyone jurassic world so this is number nine this is number nine yeah, so let's get to this because we've definitely also. Connor, have you seen this I, one? No, I have no. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what I'm doing there. I, 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 I have only seen one of them from this list. But that will be a treat when we get to that one. And yes. I did want to see Jurassic World, but from what everyone was saying, who got to see it before me, I still haven't seen it. It just it didn't it didn't come across as so, a movie. So this that is was Colin good. Colin Trevorrow is that yes. right? Yeah, Colin Trevorrow who did uh, Safety Not Guaranteed with Mark Duplass and uh, Aubrey Plaza uh, a few years ago now, two three years which ago. Which is likable enough. Which is likable sort of smaller budget indie film, a little bit kooky, vaguely sci-fi with sci-fi elements. Anyway, there's a bit of sci-fi related special effects at the end of that thing. It was good. It didn't blow me away. I like Aubrey Plaza and Mark Duplass, and I was maybe hoping for a little more. I know some people I liked him more. I have to say, I thought I, well. I I saw Safety Not Guaranteed and I was lucky enough to see it at Sundance actually and the reaction coming out people were going mad for it and I, oh wow that yeah. was amazing and again I thought it was kind of not non-plussed but just it, it just was okay it, yeah. it seemed kind of minor yeah it was enjoyable, enjoyable but kind of minor I think. kind so, of yeah forget, not forgettable but you didn't you don't you're not thinking about however it, it certainly made Colin Trevor an interesting choice right. to and pick the, up Jurassic World and the World. last the last word that Trevor would be allowed to have attached to something like Jurassic World is minor because if you put out a film with that name, you yeah. better be going big or you're going to be mm. going home. So, yeah, for you, Paul, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but what are what are the positives, what are the negatives of Jurassic World? Because I know people have heard a lot about it. You've probably read numerous reviews or heard your friends talking about it or yeah. seen it yourself. So what did you take away from it? I mean, it, I, I adore the first film, as I'm sure I've mentioned it's on this amazing. podcast. As, as does everyone. I'm not, yeah. I'm not claiming ownership of adoring Jurassic Park. It, you it, made it, didn't you? you? It's a you very well revered film. Yeah. So I was very, very cynical about walking in Jurassic World, despite the choice of director. And I think it's kind of a shame because I think, in parts, I don't think it's a bad film. I think there's some entertaining aspects to it. Um, when it's trying to do something a little bit different, is is when it works. But so much of it does 
awful ham-fisted references back to the first film and it just reminds you of the first film all the time and there's yeah. certain scenes there's certain scenes in like the in like the glass or balls thing isn't that that's essentially going to be it's like the gas power it's, it's basically or... it's basically exactly like the electronic the, the electronic yeah. jeeps thing where the t-rex first attacks in the first film to the point and then someone goes and chris pratt goes out to find them and you may as well have someone substituting for him and going well please take a gas powered jeep and find my children yeah. and that feels like a rerun of that scene but not as well done. Yeah, I mean that that kind of um, retrospective, kind of borrowed homage type scene is going to come up in another big summer release, isn't it? Later on, which borrows a lot of the scenes and mm. setups from its predecessor. I mean, if you try to, and I know it's really difficult to do, and probably doesn't mean that much, but if you try to take Jurassic World out of the context of following on from the original Jurassic Park and then its subsequent, you know, diminishing if you take returns, it out of then context, it's it's an okay um, sort of spectacle piece, but it feels like it's trying too hard to please the hardcore Jurassic Park fans mm. and I think what it's actually done by doing that is almost in the same way that Star Trek Into Darkness did not a bad action film in its no, own right it's but again too much fan service yeah. tried too hard and ultimately comes up short the Does other it... thing I will say about Jurassic World is I thought the special effects were awful really? it, it feels like 10 year old CGI and doesn't even I look mean, as the, good as the first film all of that I mean it's like we're all giving it a benefit of doubt because it's part of the Jurassic franchise which nobody ever even thought about being an actual franchise mm. but from the sounds of it it kind of makes the whole movie pointless like there was no need for it well, the it was just is, to make the it film, just the become... film is kind of about itself anyway because they go they go on with, well we've we created a new park. Well, a no way would they have created <laughs> yeah. another park How after, the, after the clusterfuck of trying yeah. to make Jurassic Park originally. There's no way. Oh, we'll open another park. Brilliant. And then they go. Oh, we need bigger and better. We need bigger and better dinosaurs to draw people in. You You're don't. like you don't. You just need to use your existing monsters well. And I thought they'd learnt the lesson with the Super Duperosaurus in Jurassic Park three, but now we've got an even more Super yeah. Duperosaurus. That just again, you're like, just use the T Rex as well. Like, I, like, I, like to think, I like to think that, like, somewhere in the Hollywood Hills, there is a, a guy who's maybe like reclusive and sort of lives in a, in a bunker or a cottage, and he is the go to guy for implausible backstory. So, if you've got a franchise that doesn't really make sense, and as Connor, you said, you know, you don't really need another film, you go to this guy, I don't know his name, um, Dave, you yeah. go to Dave in his bunker, and you're I like, is there Orcus, any way, is there anything that we could do here that could make this very vaguely plausible as a reason for having a new film because I agree I think that Jurassic World felt like oh great you know when we first heard about it everyone was like oh Jurassic Park and, and Jurassic Park yeah. and new films coming out great and then if you think about it a little bit more you think well why is it what, there's no point why not just you know? re-release Jurassic Park like because they did a limited run on but, it yeah, but they did it for a week re-release it properly yeah for the same amount of time as you would release exactly. another film and watch it rake in the money but, but let's round it off I mean Chris Pratt's good right pretty good Chris Pratt's likeable yeah I mean he's been better in other things I think, but he's good. Um, there's the, maybe the problem of the female character who constantly runs around in high heels, even though it doesn't make any sense. Um, there's the, maybe the problem that they have to have this spectacle dinosaur fight at the end, which again is, is like it just kind of happens, and there are no stakes. It doesn't really matter. Um, I think it's all a bit because it's Jurassic World. And it's contained within that park. It also feels a little bit. Um, it just restricted. There's not much scope to it. It felt like that that Planet of the Apes, the last Planet of the Apes movie, that was just like, yeah, oh, we're just going to be in, yeah. in this one location. Like, there's yeah. good stuff there, but yeah, I basically fall down on the same side as you guys. Like, I don't know that there was it that was, much point. It was, yeah. yeah, it's a it, shame. It's a shame. It is a shame. Because, it's a bit like I don't understand why if if they're going to make something that was that generic and that sort of a, a hackneyed studio product, mm. just 
a by the numbers blockbuster, then why give it to Colin Trevorrow? Why yeah. why get us excited by attaching an interesting director to it? But it made understand. crap loads of money for Universal, so they're going to do another one rather than Universal. Yes. Right, number three. <laughs> it's going to take ages. Yeah, moving on. Secret Cinema. It was Secret Cinema: The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Right. It's all you, Paul. You went to this thing, right? I was nearly in tears at the end of this. But can we and can it, we just say it's in the box office because how much how much were the tickets? Well, it's in the box office because eighty pound a ticket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. So you're buying sort of ten. Uh, so what, eight, eight cinema put tickets. Yeah, put it into the put it into the list. Now I went last year and talk, I think I talked about it briefly on the podcast last year as well to the Back to the Future Secret Cinema event, and that was superb. They they really understood the Back to the Future law. They yeah. really got it. They nailed it. The, the way you looked around, you walked into this site, and you were in Back to the Future. And that was superb. This Empire Strikes Back screening was not. I thought it was terrible. And I appeared, myself and the group of people I went with, um, the guys from Porkchop Pictures, in fact, yeah. they agreed with me, but we appeared to be in a minority. And I don't understand why we're in a minority. I mean, because was it, just... it for fans? Because you, I mean, no. you're actually wearing a Star no. Wars t-shirt right now. So I am wearing a Star Wars t-shirt right now, you, yes. I'm assuming you've seen them before. That's, I have, yeah. once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird that you're um, only wearing a Star Wars t-shirt, though. Yeah. And nothing else. You should but that's some... just the way you like to do the show. And we're not going to step on your toes, naked exactly. as they are. Yeah. Do no, I need he's... to talk about my lightsaber now? Or is that... <laughs> he's, no. he's got Yoda socks <laughs> on. Sorry, I, I digress. Move on. Yeah. So, going back, going back to Secret Center, back to the future is superb. The problems for me started with this presentation of, of Secret Cinema very... From the moment we arrived, the problem started. It was just... You, you turn up and they go, quick, come in here, and you're, all, you, you're kind of in... You're in fancy you're dress. All, you're all in costume. You're in fancy dress. And you've got these just military-esque guys shouting at you going, quick, we've got to get you off of planet Earth. What? Wait, hang on, hang on, hang yeah, on. Yeah, so it starts with, we've got to get you off, off, off of planet but Earth. But now, even if you've only seen a second of any Star Wars, you know that it takes place... A long time ago in a <laughs> in galaxy, a galaxy far, far, far away. Well, I think there isn't enough. Not the Earth. The ESA, I think, was, was the people trying to smuggle us off Earth. The Earth space assholes. I don't know. I don't know. And then they had this whole... Then they, they essentially tried to rebrand the Rebel Alliance with this whole Rebel X thing. We are Rebel X. <laughs> He's, just, for the listeners at home, he, he made an X with his arm. Like, it's a bit, a bit like the DX thing from WWF. Yeah. <laughs> well, hasn't Exhibit used that as well? Yes, just throw that out there. He's going to give it to you. <laughs> um, yeah, and from that moment, from that moment onwards, I just was like, this didn't feel like Star Wars. And then, well, it sounds like Battle uh, Star Galactica. It did, and it, like it, if it had been like a Battle Star Galactica themed event, the opening thing would have been quite cool. Oh, and you're like, okay, we've got to smuggle you off of Earth. Okay. A lot of female characters as well. If you done that, well, yeah. Exactly. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll roll it. I'll roll with it. And then you kind of you get off of Earth. You go into uh, Tatooine because <laughs> that's right next. Mos Eisley. I think it's just behind Mars. Mos Eisley. Yeah. So you end up in Mos Eisley. Mos Eisley's not in Empire Strikes Back. No, it's in, it's Star, in Wars. Star Wars. Yeah, you end up in Loka, and then you take a trip to Alderaan, and Alderaan's blown up, and that's but Alderaan's cool. already gone. Alderaan's already gone, and that's that bit's kind of cool. But Tatooine is literally just market stalls trying to sell you stuff that's got no relation to Star Wars whatsoever, and very little else going say, on. You have like credit on instead of using money, you have to buy spice or something. Well, which is due. I'll get I'll get onto no. that, but no, there is the spice run. It is the spice run from Kessel is reference okay, to Star yeah. Wars, so. You might as well be um, speaking a foreign language at this point. I genuinely people just don't know. Rubbing his so head there. Basically, Whoa. without me going into too many geeky details, it didn't feel like they understood the property they were working with at all. Mm. It didn't feel like Star Wars. There were bits of it, and then you go into the Death Star. Through Stormtroopers lead you into the Death Star, and you go, "Oh, great! It's getting caught. It's getting good now." Yeah. And then the Stormtroopers just disappear off, and you're kind of going, "Where? What? Where are we now? What are we doing here?" It just, it just felt like whether we'd gone on, maybe we went on a bad night. 
but it just felt like they didn't. You went care. to the right place, right? And yeah. That, yeah. Well, that yeah. that's got a sting for eighty quid a ticket, right? And when and then another problem, the toilets were outside. The only toilets were outside. You went outside, and they had they'd made no effort to theme in the outside, so you were just looking at warehouses. Because mm. wouldn't it have been kind of awesome in now taking it out of Jedi if you had to take a crap in the thing that Boba Fett gets? You could take a crap it, in the Sarlacc pit. Yeah, I mean, that would be kind of, I mean, scary as hell. But that's yeah, because I can imagine people going like, so. uh, I, I went to the Star Wars uh, Secret Center, I couldn't even take a crap in a Sarlacc pit. <laughs> <laughs> Pathetic. So anyway, it just, for me, I just felt, I felt like they didn't understand the property. They didn't understand Star Wars. The screen in itself, they had it in three separate screens, so it's not quite the same. The chairs were flat. They were all on the same level. Eighty pound a ticket, and they the didn't even have seat. So, for a guy that I went with, he's six foot eight. So, whoever got stuck behind him wouldn't be able to see it. Eighty pound a ticket, absolute rip off. A, crea- did, did, a creative uh, team that clearly did not understand was Star Wars. It, was it then worth the price of eight movies? No, absolutely <laughs> not. And also, we, did your six foot eight friend? He went. He must have gone as Chewbacca. No, he didn't go in fancy dress at all. <laughs> just, just a, just a large human. So and it just it wasn't worth that kind of ticket. It felt like the creative team that obviously got Back to the Future so well, and this is why it's such a shame, just did not get Star Wars. It didn't feel like Star Wars. We were supposed to trade spice for a ticket to on different ships to go to different areas. That didn't work because no one explained it to us. No, that's well, this, dread, in fact, dreadful. This Isn't, summer is really shaping up to be from the sounds of it one of the best killer. summers absolutely yeah, killer that we, that we yeah and isn't Secret Cinema a bit of a misnomer now that like everybody knows about yeah. it and it's just like a big venture like a money making yeah. venture like I can see that you know like you said about the first one that you went to Back to the Future it sounded like a really cool thing to do I love the idea I like that one you know that you've seen on the internet where you watch Jaws and you're like in a swimming yeah. pool and it, you know stuff like that that's cool but it now seems like everybody and his mum knows about this thing yes. and it's just like pay a load of money and then you get what you well, get well it's funny you say that because a lot of the people I was speaking to outside when I was saying you know I'm really not enjoying this at all and they went oh are you a big Star Wars fan then I went yes and they went Oh, we're not, and we love it. Yeah, like, well, maybe that's it the for difference. Them. Like, it's not. It's, it's for makes people it who just got eighty you... quid to throw yeah. away. Then I guess. All right. Well, What's next, Paul? That Paul Connor. You uh, guys, Paul, do you want to read this one? You can't read it upside down. Uh, minions. Anyone seen that? Yeah. I've seen Minions. You've seen Minions? Yeah, I'll keep it short, like a Minion. Nice. Hey. Uh, yeah, the, the, the summary I take out of Minions is that um, I like a lot, quite a lot actually, the Despicable Me movies, and the Minions yeah. are really great characters, well-voiced, funny, um, yeah, just, just sort of entertaining and enjoyable for, for but kids. But do they maintain the whole film? For adults as well. And, and I think the answer to that question is not quite... Is uh, it just slapstick? Almost, but not quite. Yeah, right. there's a lot of physical humour. There's a lot of slapstick. There's some clever bits in there. There's some laugh out loud moments in there, but maybe not enough. Like, you feel like a 30-minute Minions-only film, like on DVD or as an extra yeah. feature on yeah. on a on next Despicable Me film, would be great. This thing, I think, it'll, it'll go down really well and probably has done with a lot of um, families, a lot of kids yeah. and adults as well. But it's a sort of three-star spin-off from the series that was maybe more like a four-star bit of kids' entertainment. Another franchise. Yeah, I liked it. I did, but it, it didn't blow me away. I had like higher hopes than what it actually delivered in the end. Fair enough. I've, I've got nothing to say on me. I don't like Minions, but I don't know why. I, I didn't like really it. like Despicable Me. I haven't seen the second one. It, I didn't really I watched enjoy the, the second film. one quite recently. It, it, was, it was enjoyable. And my concern is exactly really what you said. I don't, I don't think the Minions are strong enough as the characters in their own rights to carry a film. 
Well, the, the thing is, they like, I don't know what examples I could give. I was going to give, I don't know if this hits with anyone, Aquatine Hunger Force. Sure. I'm aware of it, yeah. yeah. Aquatine Hunger there. Force, they, they're a TV series and they would do sort of 10 minute, 15 minute episodes. And yeah. some of that stuff hit, some of it missed. But generally, you know, if you're into that kind of thing or you smoke enough, one or the other, <laughs> then it was really, really funny. Um, they did a feature film and like big parts of that just kind of, for me, just kind of drag because you think like you're just trying to find an, a reason for this yeah. to be a ninety minute. It's film almost like they're improvising on the on the screen. Well, you, and, and then it always joke. ends up like this has happened with Smurfs and it's happened with other you know cartoon mm. franchise things where you end up oh we've got to take them to Paris or we have got to take them to yeah. ancient Egypt or we have got to put them all around these different locations because the locations will bring out something interesting. I think Minions is better than the Smurfs movie, for example. But <laughs> or Smurfs too. But yeah, mildly disappointing. Not not great. But a little bit, but aimed at kids. Kids probably gonna love it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of small things, Ant Man. Oh, the Man Ant-Man. of Ants. Iron Man. Do you say Ant Man? Iron Man. Iron Man. Sorry, I was confused. Is uh, it quite a few moments Iron when I was Ant-Man, watching? Though. Iron, Iron Ant-Man. 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 So he's Ant Man, but he's also made out of iron. Just a solid and lump he's a super scientist. So just to clarify, the reason I say I'm confused is because it's exactly the same. It's you should have said it in this voice. You mean Iron Man? But <laughs> and then giggle to yourself. Might as well be. <laughs> I would say. I'd say it was. But uh, Iron Man was also will, Robocop. You know, we will like things today, right? There will be things that we definitely. Yeah, no, no, and Ant Man. I didn't. That's not to say. I didn't yeah, yeah, like yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't want to. Interrupt. I thought Ant Man was Ant Man was thoroughly entertaining, but offensively generic. Um, it's a it's a Marvel origin or, or, It's or, a Marvel or, origin story. Or, it's an orange movie. You, it's a shame. It's a shame. Edgar Wright, obviously, quite infamously, Edgar Wright, obviously walked off the yeah. project. It's obvious. Which, when you watch it, which scenes Edgar Wright wouldn't be happy with, and it's an entertaining film. Yeah. There's some creative set pieces. It's enjoyable. It does feel a lot like a retread of Iron Man One. It's just your generic sort of superhero story, yeah. with some really, really clumsy attempts to link it in to the Marvel, to the wider so Marvel universe. Scenes that just don't really, I feel, don't really belong in the film. What were the special effects like? Are they special effects are good, and again, the, the creativity in the set pieces with kind of the Incredible Shrinking Man is kind of a good sort, sort of touching point. Who, yeah, amazing. If this this might be putting on you, you on the spot, and don't worry about it. But who ended up handling the direction? Peyton Reed. Who the hell is Peyton Reed? We're the Millers. Oh, okay, interesting. So they've kind of got like a, so, a, a work a day director it's weird to, because, to take. It's it because you can you can tell when it's like right, and you can also tell when Adam McKay's come in to obviously rewrite some of the jokes because he's obviously quite I imagine very friendly. With Adam Paul McKay Ruff. is in like Anchorman Step director. Brothers and Will Ferrell yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So he apparently was weird... drafted in to write some of the jokes. And so wait, is it is it a funny? It's a comedy because like Iron Man was funny because Robert Downey Jr. is so good. It's probably like just funnier. It's probably funnier than Iron Man, I think. But it just—I think the main reason, the other reason, it's like Iron Man is you've got Michael Douglas as the the old guy that runs the company. The younger guys come up to assert him, and he surprise surprises the bad guy, and that yeah. kind of flips the Tony Stark Jeff Bridges yeah. situation on its head. And it just feels very. And then the the, the tech companies—they've both got suits. They battle in suits at the end, and you're just like, oh, it's, it's so it's a bit like you know, Fantastic Four and Victor Von Doom from the original Fantastic yeah, Four. Yeah, and it, but it's it's decent and it's enjoyable. Yeah. The set pieces are good and it's fun. It's just much like, and I think part of the problem is last year's Marvel output with Captain America: Winter Soldier yeah. and Guardians of the Galaxy was absolutely superb. This year's with Age of Ultron was just meh, and Ant Man is. I'd say Ant Man's better than Age of Ultron, but it's very generic. Okay. There's there's fun to be had. It's not a terrible film, but it's very generic. All right, the gift is the next one. 
Well, this will be a short one because I think none of us. I'm have intrigued, seen it. but I haven't seen. Yeah, it this is the. Set, I think there were two on the list, two in the top ten that we yeah, none of us gift. have seen, and it's Amy that we came with at number. There, there 10, are about and, seven different movies called this the one. Gift, aren't there? Yeah, there's yeah, one with the, like Kate Blanchett. Katie Holmes gets a tits Kate. out. That's, that's the gift, isn't that it? That was so, a gift. Yeah, that was a gift to all of us as teenagers. But um, <laughs> yeah, this thing, the gift, is about the. It's Joel Edgerton's director of the baby, isn't, isn't it? it? Kate Kate Fear. It's basically like Kate Fear. Yeah. That's Joel, what I get out of it's the... Joel Edgerton's directorial debut. As uh, well. Interesting, yeah, because he's only what less than forty, probably, isn't he? I'd say, yeah, probably around that. Something like that. that. So, age. yeah, I, I'm interested to see it. Um, I, I, it looks all right. It looks fairly um, run of the mill, but we'll check it it'd out. Soon. Maybe Jason yeah. It'll be interesting. Jason, Jason Bateman lives with his wife. Um, who is played by Rebecca, Rebecca, Hall. Rebecca Hall. I like Rebecca oh, yes. Hall. Yeah. 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 And Joel Edgerton no, is, the, is the guy that comes back, oh, we went to school together and ends up yeah. being a bit creepy, just to give you the premise. The trailer looks quite interesting. It should be interesting to see Jason Bateman in a straighter role. I was, I, when, watching the trailer, I was waiting for the jokes. Yeah, but yeah. then it, it just never happened. No, it's dead serious. Yeah, Rebecca Hall's a good actress. I think she'll she'll do decent work. So we'll we'll check it out. Maybe the next ep- podcast episode we'll, yeah. we'll get to that one. Uh, Southpaw. I've seen this. Am I alone? You are alone. Okay, um, I'll keep it brief. Is it Rocky with an Eminem soundtrack? It, yeah, the, the problem here... Well, I went into this thing quite keen on the whole thing mm. for two reasons, really. One, I'm a fan of combat sports, less so boxing, more so MMA, yeah. as I've talked about on the show before, but th- there's crossover appeal there. And the second reason being uh, one Jake Gyllenhaal, who I will watch in anything. I think you mentioned his eyes. In oh, beautiful, beautiful eyes. Podcasts, there's yeah. a lot going on behind those eyes. <laughs> there, he's, he's not a bad-looking man. Yeah, no, he's a good-looking man, but he's also an interesting actor. And, an I, interesting and actor, I think yeah. like a film like this and the casting of Jake Gyllenhaal makes perfect sense because he is a guy that we've seen all the way from things like Donnie Darko yeah. he's a, a troubled individual who tends to play roles where he's got some sort of internal uh, turmoil yeah. if you will and the closest uh, sort of analogy to his performance in this film I think would be that thing Jarhead where he's in the Gulf yeah. War and he's a military yeah, he's a soldier um, he plays opposite um, Sarsgaard give me the first name Alexander Sarsgaard no no married to his sister yeah that guy who's that in those guy. things yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> his brother-in-law, anyway, plays opposite, and he's quite sort of intense and emotional in that. Similarly in this thing, the problem is that, yeah, as you said, um, Rocky with an Eminem soundtrack. I mean, Eminem, I think only there's only one track in this. There might be two. It might play out with Eminem. But it, it sets itself up as it's going to be this sort of more like a, a raging bull where... And that's a high bar, obviously. Mm-hmm. But this film where uh, Joan Hall's character is a boxer who is a maverick. He doesn't play by the rules. He kind of um, he drops his hands a lot. And if you know, if you follow box, you yeah. drop your hands. It's the worst thing you can do. You're letting yourself yeah. leaving yourself open to attack. This is a sort of metaphor for the way he lives his life. Um, his wife, who is played by uh, Rachel McAdams is there by his side but it seems at the beginning like there's something going on like his wife maybe there's like infidelity in the air or something okay. and an incident happens and I won't spoil the incident but it leads to some tragic consequences for Jake Hall in his life and from this he needs to bounce back from sort of rock bottom and we've seen this story played out many many times the problem that I have with Southpaw is once you realise that you're on a basically a you know triumph against adversity roller coaster, yeah. and you're playing that out, you think, okay, fine, you know, I'm, I'm cool with that. Just hit the beats, like hit the beats that you mm. need to make that kind of cloud yeah. rabble rousing sort of film. I mean, every boxing movie is exactly that. 
Yeah. Someone and makes it, they go to rock bottom and they make it. And they get back and they against all the odds. They fight yeah. someone who should definitely beat them. And this, this is Antoine Farquhar, right? The director of this, who yeah. made uh, that. What was, the, day? what was the film recently that we talked about with uh, Denzel Washington? Oh, God. The, the Equalizer. The Equalizer. I quite liked Equalizer. Okay, now, mm-hmm. I think that there's, again, a sort of um, a parallel here because in The Equalizer, I think it starts to be promisingly. It looks really, really cool. He does some really good stuff with sort of staging scenes and things yeah. like that. And as it gets towards the end, it sort of loses its steam and loses its direction. The same thing happens here. There are such obvious action beats and dramatic beats that are missed in the last act of this film that you just feel like it's a bit unforgivable you know when you're putting something out to cinema audiences on a decent budget with such a high profile leading actor you need to hit those beats and he misses them and so I think ultimately what you get is a fairly mediocre boxing movie and you've got Forrest Whitaker in here who's his performance although it's a small role is interesting Jake Gyllenhaal gives his heart and soul to this thing I have a question right because Jake Gyllenhaal did all of the press junkets like every show he was on every radio program mm. and, all that, and he was always asked the same questions like oh how was the transformation of going like from where he's skinny and nightcrawler to being all that lot and he sort of just shoved them to one side and he said the interesting thing about this movie is that because it's a boxing movie there, there's only one outcome you either win or you lose which is two outcomes mm. but <laughs> so really the story is about him and his daughter and the relationship and all that lot so was it or was it really about the the, it, big, the it, big fight it was but on. again you felt like if that relationship's handled by a different team or director mm. then you're going to get more emotional punch forgive the pun than you did here right. and so even when you get to the final climactic fight which has been you know trailed for the entire film yeah. you think like okay this is the moment when that happens oh no it didn't oh, oh this okay. is the moment where he does the film's called Southpaw and yeah. anyone, I don't know if, do you know what this means? Yeah, it's left, left, left hand. Left, the left hand. Yeah. yeah, so it's, yeah, the guy whose power hand is left hand rather than traditional yeah. stance, which would be with his right hand. And that, you're baffled until the end of the, the very end of the film where you think, why has this been called Southpaw? Because at a certain point you think, okay, Forrest Whitaker's going to show him how to fight as a yeah. Southpaw. He's going to fight switch, so he switches his stance. None of that. Then we get to the last fight and it's like, oh, okay, he's going to throw one punch in Southpaw. He stands it. <laughs> Fine. Um, yeah, I just think opportunities missed, um, unfortunately. There's good stuff in here, but yeah, ultimately it, it, it doesn't pack the punch that maybe it could. Nice. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I love boxing movies because they're mm. uh, one of the only ones where I end up going, yeah, at the end, or mm. like, oh, that was really good, or just it wasn't rocky. But uh, moving on to Inside Out, Pixar, Disney Pixar. I haven't caught up with this yet. I'm trying to find a time to go when it A, won't be busy and there won't be kids in there. Yeah. So well, I think I'm going to struggle with it. We, we might talk about it You're again. You're not allowed near the mind. We might talk about it again. So <laughs> so I'll keep it really, really brief. Um, I've seen Inside Out and uh, really high hopes. In fact, it was on my most anticipated films of the year um, was, when yes. we did that. And um, I'm not sure that it quite lives up to that you know, expectation in, in terms of being one of the best films of this year. I'm not sure that it's going to get on my list at the end of the year. We'll see. Um, it's very smart. It's well put together. It's all shot in sort of day glow primary yeah. colours it's yeah. a bit of an assault on the eyeballs if you're Pixar sort of over 12 yeah. but at the same time underpinning it is the sort of intelligence and grown up mature writing that you might expect from Pixar yeah. not the Pixar of Cars and maybe recent output but, but the, yeah Monsters University Why? as well but, but more like the Pixar of, of Up and the things that came before yeah. that so I think that not all of it works but 
it has a message to deliver to children and young people yeah. that is worth the time and investment and actually um, resonates with what the human experience is like. And as a film, would it stand the test of time? Like something like Wally or Up or The Incredible? I think so. I think it's, and I'm, I imagine this because I don't have any children of my own, but I imagine it's the kind of film that you would happily show to your children as a way of giving them a, a wider perspective on their own sort of. Um, you know, emotions. journey, their emotional yeah. sort of development, without feeling like you're being lecturing or, or, or yeah. you know, whatever. So, yeah, I think for, for that reason, I would endorse it's it, and I think it, I think it does work. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a kids' film, but it's a kids' film with sort of a mature well, it's a, it's a heart. It's a Pixar, isn't it? So it's, you know, it's going to be good for adults. Yeah, it's going to have humour in there that only adults. Yeah, and some really great voice performances as yeah. well, from Amy Poller to the, yeah, the various other characters who I think bring their their A game to this. Is yeah. uh, I've got one more question on that. Is uh, John Ratzenberger in it? Who he, on earth is that? He's uh, Cliff from Cheers, the Postman. If you ever watched is Cheers, this predicated on anything. He's <laughs> in every single Pixar movie. Well, then he's probably in oh, it, he's probably he in plays, there He plays Ham in Toy Story. Okay, he's probably in it then. Pro- probably, I have to go uh, through that that cast list again. Okay, to find out. get uh, back to you on that one. All right, uh, penultimate one: MI five, Mission Impossible five. Yeah, also known as that one. MI five, Mission, Mission Impossible, Impossible five. Go- not Ghost. Ghost. What's it called? No, it's uh, no Rogue Nation. Rogue, Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation. Now, the Mission I, I, Impossible I, films. Believe it or not, I have not seen it. But I'm surprised it is you haven't seen it. Something seen I really want to see. I was really excited about it. In fact, when we did preview of the summer. I brought this up as a thing. I mean, the thing we broke, both did really, but I didn't realize you hadn't seen it either. No, I haven't seen it. So yet. is it good? Because I'm, I really want to see this. The movie. Mission Impossible films for me, they, they were a mix, a, a mixed bag. Yeah, okay. one was okay. Brian was Palmer really delivered like a solid thriller. Two was a piece of shit, unmitigated about? piece of shit. John Moving Wayne? on, what? yeah, terrible. Uh, that Metallica video, yeah, that they like. Limp, oh, Limp Bizkit. Limp Bizkit. And no, Metallica. no, it was, it, I disappear. That was the, that was yeah. Mission Impossible Two. Yeah, yeah. Mission Impossible Two had one of the best. It had one of the best marketing campaigns of all time. It did, yes. And but the movie was not number three. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Villain. I'm going to die unless you kill me first. Yeah. One of my favourite lines <laughs> from like the last ten years. Or and then so Mission Impossible Three was decent, and then MI Mission Impossible Four Ghost Protocol came out, and I was just like. Is that it? Does do we really need this now? And then I watched that and went, Oh, oh that's great! Yeah, actually, that was oh, really good. So, really good. I was quite psyched for Mission Impossible 5. Yeah, great trailer for the most part. It doesn't disappoint, okay. it's got some good set pieces. Yeah, uh, Tom Cruise again, with you don't have to like him, but you've got to respect How the can stunts. You not like him, it's quite easy. He's not like, to like 80 him. and he's still doing but some of the stunts he does. He's very good. Um, Rebecca Ferguson is the newcomer, the female cast member, and she is actually superb in it. Yeah. Um, and threatens to overstay. As, as in Fergie. No. Okay, I thought as that. No. She threatens to steal, steal the screen from Tom Who's Cruise Rebecca on more than one She's in Mission Impossible Five. I hadn't really seen her anywhere <laughs> before. <but laughs> I can take that for granted. Yeah, now. An actress. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> okay. Gloucester's own. Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg is mildly irritating as he has been oh, to like, me for I the like last Simon. few years, but it's. It's good. Unfortunately, it's not as good as Ghost Protocol, and right. at times it is a little bit bloated and feels a little bit long. It seems that certain set pieces, without without spoiling it, certain set pieces in the middle of the film, the opera house scene, for example, feel like perhaps perhaps they should have been placed later in the film because okay. it it feels to me like it runs out of steam towards like, the end. I like peak too soon. Right the big stuff yeah. is in the middle. Peaks, it peaks too soon, and it probably could have been ten fifteen minutes shorter. And would have been right. a tighter, more interesting. And who, film who directed this? Is Christopher, Christopher McQuarrie, who, who re- wrote *Usual Suspects. Suspects* and did *Jack Reacher*. So it's better oh, than *Jack Reacher*, which okay. I'm glad to say. Um, it's good. It's solid. Yeah. But it's not *Ghost Protocol*. 
Yeah, an interesting thing for me when I do get round to this, because I've been meaning to get to it for the last sort of week and a half, is that when I saw Mission Impossible 4, um, Ghost Protocol, I hadn't yet seen uh, Going Clear, the Scientology documentary that has Tom Cruise oh, right okay. front and centre. Oh, really? Now I have seen that, so it would be very strange, because I don't think I've seen any, I'm sure I haven't seen anything Tom Cruise since I saw that documentary, so to come back to it with that stuff in the back of my mind... I, I think, think you, have to, you have to remove it, because I'm a big fan of Tom Cruise, and I really don't know mm. why. He gives um, his all to... to yeah, oh, he really does. Yeah. He really does. But I, t- I think you have to detach Tom Cruise. Like, I watched the, the scene where he loses his mind on Oprah, you know, when he did yeah. that years ago. Mm. And it's just like, he, he, can, he could do whatever he wants. And I yeah. would still watch I mean, a Mission Impossible. I, no, I, I, I would have to agree with you on the fact that otherwise I would be a massive hypocrite. Because when people talk about um, Woody Allen, for yeah. example, or... Yeah. Um, uh, Roman, Roman Polanski Roman or yeah. you know these kind of people I think you know ultimately you've got to separate the work from the individual and the exactly. private life and I don't yeah. really know that private life I, I can hear you know through various documentaries and hearsay but I don't I don't know but so. yeah still no one's willing to say that they'll, they want to go out and buy a, an Adolf Hitler painting but uh, <laughs> but anyway that was awkward wasn't it it was kind of yeah yeah moving uh, on yeah Fantastic Four <laughs> this is the last one <laughs> Uh, number one in the box office chart right now, or as of last weekend, I guess. So we'll yeah. see how it does this weekend. Um, yeah, this thing's got a whole eight or nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes now. Oh, which it's is gone down. It, yeah. it, it was a tortured, tortured production. The, the director, we think, from what you read, fell out massively. Doesn't play well with the studio system. I think probably six of one half of the day is the other. Yeah, what's this guy called? Josh Trank. Director Chronicle, which is really good. Um, a really good calling card, but. And then obviously they, they came out, the cast hadn't seen it, there were no critics yeah. screenings, so Pete, you've seen it. Well, yeah, I have. Um, again, I'll try and keep it brief because we might bring it up again later on. We've yeah. all had the chance to see this thing. But um, I would sort of, there's two sides to my review of this, uh, or short review of this film. One side is there are some really cool things in Fantastic Four, I think. Maybe I'm completely mm-hmm. wrong, maybe I'm delusional, I don't know. But the Victor Von, the Victor Von Doom stuff is, at, the, at least when Victor Von Doom is introduced, is ace right. and you're like okay he's doing this properly this really works it's really cool he's a cool character he kind of appeals to my sensibility mm. um, great there is, is Ben Whishaw is that my lying on that one yes no no what, not Ben no, Whishaw no, no. not Ben Whishaw it's uh, Tony Kevill Toby Kevill Toby Kevill but you, they look yeah, kind of similar. you can easily get them yeah. mixed up and they both come from that sort of British pedigree yeah. of being in TV shows and yeah. stuff like that um, yeah, Toby Kebbell, really, really good for the beginning part of his role anyway. Um, the film you think, okay, what we're doing here is setting up a franchise. Yeah. And I will accept that nothing really happens for an hour because right. we're setting up this franchise. And if we can position these characters correctly, then we could have a really, really cool rebranding of the Fantastic Four. That's what I thought when I saw the trailers. And I previewed mm. this and I stood behind it and I said, this is going to be one of the films of the summer. It's going to be really good. Now, I am yeah. going to be proved wrong because it isn't really good. But the problem you have here, and it is a massive problem, is that you think we're setting up a cool franchise. The film has bombed so badly that I think that franchise is dead on arrival. I don't think it will be. I think I think the, I think what will happen is they'll use the same cast, different director. Different they'll team. rush. They'll rush through a sequel, and then they'll just throw it in with X-Men. Because because the funny you'll thing get is, an man, you've got an X Men crossover sooner I mean, rather than later. Yeah. I think that's how they'll say the, it. The funny thing is, okay, here's the bad. Um, in summary, uh, some of the CGI is absolutely laughable. Like you mentioned CGI in Jurassic World, but this stuff is is embarrassing. I think there's no sense of place. Uh, there are people just screaming exposition at each other because you don't know what it is that's going on. So they have to, just, oh, you know, don't go over there because you'll be sucked into the vortex unless you use that power that you got earlier on in the plot. You know, and you just think like this is terrible. Um, 
there are really baffling developments. Like they're at a science fair, they they show a professor how they've learned at the age of like seventeen mm. to teleport matter, and the professor says, "What you've done there is magic, not science. Get out." And you think if you showed Jeez. a professor teleportation you're not going to get slagged for doing magic no, no. I'd, I'd say he would have been impressed and I think doing magic's pretty impressive anyway yeah. isn't it yeah. genuine magic on this so you know, now uh, my, my my opinion of, of Fantastic Four before I've seen it was that it seemed too serious it's very serious like apparently all, all the actors seem like these, these are guys who are, are going to be doing spandex what are the cast like in their roles well Josh mean? apparently Josh Trank had, had gone round and I don't know I've read various things but it went round on set it's sort of micromanaging scenes and trying to get the performers to bring it down and down and down and down and down so what we've got is these really sort of sombre serious does it sap, does it sap the characters does it sap life from the well, at first you think this is going to be sort of grounded and gritty and like that's what we need yeah. because the other one was such a kind of yeah. um, it was a comic book movie it was a comic book movie <laughs> yeah. but, it, but it was such a, a a confection you know it was such a sort of yeah. sugary yeah. uh, consequence yeah, free just movie, fun yeah. thing and I like the first Fantastic Four movie alright the second one with the Silver Surfer maybe less so, so is, it, is this is this them trying to do a Marvel Christopher Nolan. It feels like that. Yeah, it does feel like that. But then it's got none of the um, of the chops dramatically that you've yeah. got with Christopher Nolan. So I think ultimately you get caught between two posts. You've got Josh Trank's movie, which is supposed to be really serious and deadpan. And then, as you mentioned earlier on, Paul, I think that the studio got nervous and said, no, what we need is action and explosions and powers and things like that. That's what people want. Yeah. And then you've got this tacked on sort of big action sequence. I've heard end. people say it feels like two separate films. It kind of does. It kind of does. And it's a shame because, you know, Miles Teller, as we know, is a really good actor, mm. up and coming, really good actor. Jamie Bell is an actor that I've come to love since, you know, his, his earlier stuff. He's made some really good dramatic films. Mm. Uh, Kate Mara's clearly got talent. Uh, Michael B. Jordan, we've seen in like loads of stuff that's really, really he's good. He's in Chronicle, yeah. isn't he? Chronicle and yeah. like Fruitvale Station. And yeah, he's, he's clearly on the up and up. But in and this Creed thing it just well. it just doesn't come yeah. together it's funny at the end of the film they say well, you, what we were missing the whole time was teamwork and I think what the whole production was missing for the entire production <laughs> was teamwork, <laughs> was teamwork. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see you know watch this space we'll see whether they make anything out of it whether the sequel well, this, this is going to be good for Marvel right because Marvel want to get the, the movie rights back yes. for Fantastic Four I think Four. that's happening though isn't it there's no, a Spider-Man that's happening with Spider-Man. I thought I read something about the, the rights expert they wanted to get this out before the rights expire no I, well there's always been a thing with Fantastic Four that they take the piss out of in Arrested Development is that when it comes to the time when they have to give up the rights to Fantastic they Four film, yeah. they just make another movie yeah. Yeah. and it ends up being terrible but is it, so is it, is it terrible no I don't is it good it's not okay because I've, I've mentioned this before on the podcast there is a fundamental problem with the with the way that Rotten Tomatoes works because yeah. if you've said a, you can either say in binary a film is good or bad and they sometimes judge that from the review so okay 9% of critics say that it is a good film I probably wouldn't go as far as to say it's a really good film mm. but is it 9% on a scale of 0 to 100 no of course it isn't it's mm. like it's mm. 50 or they wouldn't have released it no, no it wouldn't have got made like if it was 9 yeah. you nine don't get that nuance so. from Rotten Tomatoes but yeah it's it, watch it you guys and you know come back and, and see what you think there's loads of things wrong with it but it's not a terrible movie by any means well that that's the end of it that's that's box office yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the summer caught up as well really isn't it so, so the summer was terrible 
Yeah, I mean, it doesn't look so hot. I mean, we're going no. to bring up in a bit like some of the other films that we've seen. And I think we'll redeem the summer a little bit with some of those. But as for the, the top ten as it sits now, They're it's not a wash with great films. Sequels or terrible redos. Inside of... Out, man. Inside Out's a good film. Yeah, um, Southpaw is Southpaw the other original. Southpaw's not bad. Ant-Man's worth a watch. Mission Impossible 5 isn't bad. But I don't think there's anything, from the sound of it, there's nothing great on that list. No. Apart from maybe Empire Strikes Back. But they're talking more yeah. about the secret cinema of, presentation. Of those that yeah. we've talked about, Inside Out, is the one that I put forward as a good. But then film. think of the other because I wrote I wrote a list of movies that Connor hasn't seen, and they're all <laughs> pretty much sequels. How many pages have you? Seven. Seven, seven pages. pages so far. But uh, yeah. Right. It is time for an absolutely new feature on this show. We need a shake up. It's the end of the summer. We've been doing this show for what, like a year now? It's got to be getting on for a year. It's got to be getting on for a year. Episode 19, man. Next one, episode 20. As we said, that's going to be a momentous episode. It's going to be absolutely huge. We've got so many plans, we haven't even had the time. Shockwaves around the internet when we get to 20. (laughs) But now we're on 19, guys. Live in the present. So what we're going to do today is something that we are dubbing, controversially, because I've had a lot of kickback from these guys, Yeah. uh, 60 Second Cinema. Do you mean Film Me Up Big Boy? (laughs) Film film Me Up Big Boy came in a close second (laughs) to 60 Second Cinema. Yeah. The beauty of this title is it's completely self-explanatory. What we're going to do is we are going to pull films out of... A hat, hat. inverted air quotes. Yeah. And those films will be reviewed by at least one of the strangers for a total of 60 seconds and no more. That's all you got, 60 seconds. There is an egg timer on the table that when the egg timer runs out, the other two strangers will interrupt that person and they have to stop. Yep. And then the other two people have to go... Do I want to watch it? Or yeah. Do I not want to so, watch it? So we're basically okay. going we're going two ways here. Either you've got sixty seconds to advocate for this film, so you're going to persuade the other two guys or one person. It might be that two of us have seen it yeah. that they have to watch the film, or you're going to advocate for them avoiding it like the plague. This is a film that you don't need to have any part of. We don't really want to fall down in the middle. We've got to be absolute on this thing. Right? Also, be... don't don't expect us to go. This is directed by this person because no, no, you no, may no. know it for some cut, of them. Cut to the quick. Cut to the right, quick. So we've got. We've uh, pre- prepared this by, uh, we've all written a movie, well, ten movies, actually. Ten we've movies each. We've got 30 movies in the hat. Uh, that, we're going to pick them out. Can you we're hear that? We're not going to bore you with all 30 movies, no. just, just to make that clear. Okay. There's nothing boring here. These listeners <laughs> listen to us, like, read the phone book, but what we're doing is talking about films. Let's go. Okay, so I'm going to pull pull the thing out. If it's me, do I do I talk about it? or? Yes, that's the concept of it. Okay, all right. So, <laughs> uh, I can't read. Uh, okay, two days, one night. Who's two that? days, one night. That's mine. Right. right, start the clock. Right, three, two, one, go. Let's go. So this is Marianne Cotillard, a film that came out earlier this year, a limited release. I think you saw it in art house cinemas, but not on general release. Um, Marianne Cotillard has two days and one night, hence the title, to persuade her colleagues that she should get her job back. The, the thing is that she's been off work, signed off with some uh, mental health problems, and she wants to come back and resume her life and earn money basically because her and her partner don't have a lot of money to throw around the problem is that the staff have already voted almost unanimously that she shouldn't keep her job because the other option is that they get a bonus if they get their bonus they'll receive a thousand euros additionally at the end of that month right Um, so you've got Marianne Cotillard going around trying to convince other people that she should get her job back rather than getting the bonus it's a great performance um, that really interesting interactions with different people people react wildly differently to her uh, proposition going from one situation to the next uh, a really good indie film that I think has been overlooked by a lot of people you should definitely check it out when you have the chance uh, that's time time well, that was perfect you just spoke from it this is like just the minute but you just you, there was a lot of repetition no Connor this is 60 seconds 60 cinema 60 seconds and cinema. it's taking uh, over Paul do you want to see that film 
He had me at Marion Coutillard. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I'll give it a watch. Uh, I think you mean Marianne Cotillard. Okay, yeah. So it's good. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Check it out. Okay, Paul. Means. Hand on the hat. Nice sound effects. See, a bit, a bit of drama in the mix there. Drama. And we've got Gravity. Gravity. Oh, oh, I've Who's not heard it? of it. Never seen Gravity. No, I've seen this it. This is Go yours, ahead. isn't it? This is mine, yes. Because okay. I watched it recently. Let's, in uh, let's start the clock. Gravity. Not much needs to be said about Gravity. Sandra Bullock gets stranded in space. Um, there's superb special effects. Uh, it looks absolutely fantastic in 3D. Alfonso Cuaron is a very accomplished director, and it's nice to see him turn his hand to sci-fi. Although, as has been said, there's a lot more to it than just the straight sci-fi elements. I think we were talking earlier about how it deals with issues of... It's a film about grief. loss and depression, Paul. That's loss why. and depression. Is it nominated for a Best Picture? I believe yes. it was nominated for yes, Best Picture, yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's a very entertaining film. I think it's a little bit overrated. I don't think Sandra Bullock is necess- was necessarily the right person for the role. It doesn't right. harm the film overall. She was listeners. She wasn't. <laughs> uh, George Clooney, again, feels a bit like, why's George Clooney turned up in it? Again, he feels like yeah. feels like the faces were a little bit Because he's a really good big. actor, listeners. But... <laughs> Is there a rule that we have to do this without interruption? Well, I think the problem here is that we, we have actually seen this film. We've seen it. But so do we want to watch it again? I do not. I do. You're not selling it to me, Paul. Well, that's because you haven't let me finish now. So Sorry. you've taken at All least right. 10 seconds of my time with your <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, go on, go on. And the time is up. Time's Fuck up. it. Do you know what? The, Don't watch it. The gravity of this situation. <laughs> the gravity of this Next. situation is Paul's been interrupted. All right. Pete's, Pete's pulling a piece of paper out. He didn't, he didn't say that. Next up, we have got a uh, film by the name of Knock Knock. Knock I think Knock. there's two of us, uh, Paul and I, who can both go tag team on Connor on Knock Knock. Okay, you guys ready? Do we agree about this, by the way, Paul? Do you, do, are, we'll you advo- are you advocating? I'm advocating. Okay, yeah. I'm, going a- I'm going against, so okay. it's head to head. Minute starts now, gentlemen. Okay, the, the reason that you shouldn't bother with Knock Knock is because it is an overwrought um, Eli Roth drama. Keanu Reeves does some of the worst acting of his career. Uh, there are hot girls in it. Um, some of the scenes work, some of them don't. But overall, it's a kind of C-level uh, sort of thriller horror film that I think just, just doesn't add up to the sum of its parts. Okay, right, Paul. well, you should watch it. Some of the worst acting in Keanu Reeves' career. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's an Eli Roth film. It kind of it take it takes a more humorous, uh, blackly comic uh, tone to the Home Invasion Home movie, yeah. a bit like Funny Games, but with a bit more fun inside of it. I've always been a, quite a fan of Eli Roth because he doesn't take himself too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some interesting set pieces in it. There's some not so interesting set pieces. I will attest. The whole thing's a lot of fun, um, and there's hot girls in it. Yeah, Eli Roth does does take um, lowest common denominator money making quite seriously, and he does that really well in most of his films, including Knock Knock. But yeah, I think like it it works at the beginning and, it, and it less so time, at the end. Time you have to. It wasn't stop. even time. No, it there is, were no. there were grains in Sorry. there. Grains in there. Uh, I think Knock I... Knock. Who's there? The rules. Can't break them. You interrupted me before, so <laughs> I'm gonna say I I do want to see this because. Yes. I want to see Keanu it's a win Reeves. for you Paul well yeah. done I want to see Keanu Reeves worst acting oh it's bad okay, yeah I'm, I let's keep it, it going alright okay next, next one Connor, Connor stepped up to we've the got, uh, ah, this is the end right now I've watched this quite recently I know Paul has seen it who's, who's advocating for this is the end this, who's, this, who's this, pick is my, is this? this is my movie are you advocating or are you against I don't know yet we'll see when the minute's up do you know what I'll, I'll throw in against if you want are we, we've all seen this. We've all seen, we've it. All seen it. Okay, so let's just go head to head and see who comes out on top. Okay, I'll, I'll start. Turn, turn the thing. So let's we have go. a minute for all three of us? Yeah, minute for all three. For all three. All right. In one... Okay. Go. 
We're just going to talk over each other, yeah, aren't we? Talk over you guys. All right, well, okay, well, I'll start. I'll the whole film of this in the end. Too many egos in one room all think they're a lot funnier than they are. But I think Yeah, but there are special effects and stuff, guys. Special effects. They did it quite well. Okay, first of all, it is it's an apocalyptic movie starring Seth Rogen and Jay Baruchel and all those guys. Everyone knows that, Connor. Use your time. As themselves. And they all play either asshole or just really strange versions of themselves. Oh, and they had to is, try so hard to do that, didn't they? And it, they did it quite well. It's self-indulgent thought. twaddle. Yeah, and it's it's silly, it's stupid. The special effects are, re- are pretty good considering what type of movie The Michael Cera bit's funny, apart yeah. from that. It's funny in places, but it's a completely unnecessary film. It does not need to exist. I think it's, definitely, kind of, it's definitely not necessary, but I'm glad they made it's it. It's kind of enjoyable. Yeah, I, I did kind yeah. of enjoy it. Like, I think it's not anything to write home about from that place that you write home about the films <laughs> you're watching. But it's, you know, it's it's a film. I enjoyed it? it. I'm glad they made it. I was looking forward to seeing it. And cause I, I kind of like that whole Judd Apatow type of school. This is the end of the time for that film. Paul, no, let's this go. is the end. Yeah. All right. What's up next? We got through a lot already, guys. I think it's a great format and a great title, don't you reckon? Not filling me up, big boy. <laughs> yes. Wet Hot American Summer. Okay. This, this is the movie then, because we're not the this TV. Is the movie, yeah. The TV. So I, that was on my list as well. And, yes. And was it on yours? As that well? is your writing, so you that may is, go yeah. with Wet Hot American Summer. Okay. Uh, let's do it. Turn, turn the clock. Because I think we're both on the same page on this one. So. This was a movie that looked terrible from the poster because it was such a good poster. The poster basically makes it look like it was made in the 80s as a camp movie and it was made in 2001 and it stars now Hollywood's alias. As in like a, oh, camp movie. No, or... not like a, is it? As in like a <laughs> Does it summer Hollywood's A-list though? Well, it's, it's, got, the... it's got Bradley Cooper in it. It's got Amy yeah, Poehler in it. It's Amy got Paul not, Rudd in not it. exactly But the, this was all their first movie and it's basically a piss take of the last day of a summer camp in 1981 and it was really funny. It was ridiculous. It was silly. Paul, jump in. You want me to jump in now, do yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah, I... I, I missed I missed it. It completely passed me by. I think yeah. it passed a lot of people in the UK by. It didn't it's pass got, me by, it's listeners. Got, of course it didn't. <laughs> it's, got, it's got cult status, kind of deservedly so. It's not amazing, not everything works, but it's a lot of fun. It's also yeah. worth one of the best like, sex scenes of all time. Yes. Like, like, a Bradley lot of, Cooper. like a lot of David Wayne stuff, it, it doesn't all work. But the stuff that works is really, really funny. Time. Pete, you going to watch it? Yep, I've seen it already. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, this is a great. Picture. Oh, look at that, guys! While we while we're young, which is my own pick. How convenient that I've picked oh, that out. Six uh, seconds. Go. Okay, have we seen it? I haven't seen no. it. No. Okay, here we go then. Okay, sixty seconds. Uh, while we're young is Noah Baumbach's new movie that you might have heard about. Um, I think he's got a new one coming out actually. So this is the most recent movie that's had general release. Uh, it stars Greta Gerwig and uh, Greta Gerwig also starred in Francis Ha which was Baumbach's last Sorry, movie Greta Gerwig's in a Baumbach film that's odd hold on a second she's not though is she she's not in While We're Young I'm, I'm, okay, really, we, I'm, I'm just going to pause the time yeah we should Like I've just rocked my own world <laughs> Greta Gerwig's not in While We're Young because Next pick because it is uh, <laughs> uh, Amanda Seyfried and, uh, and that guy who's in everything from Girls yeah, Adam Driver. Adam Driver, thank you. Uh, yeah, Amanda Seyfried and Adam Driver are the younger couple. Um, Naomi Watts and um, Ben Stiller. 
Correct. Are the older couple, and you've actually seen this. Film yeah, <laughs> and it's and it's all about the older couple um, learning life lessons from the younger couple, and then realizing that those life lessons might not be as deep and profound as they first thought that they were. And it is a return to form for Noah Baumbach, who I think got a lot of plaudits for Francis Ha, and a lot of them were undeserved or um, slightly inflated. This is uh, really witty, um, well written stuff. is engaging. The set pieces are funny. Uh, I think some of the actors give some of their best performances the last few years. Check out while we're young. Time. It's great. So now, because the time cut off before you said it's great, I don't know if it's going to be a good film or not. <laughs> mm. But you had me at uh, Ben Stiller and Amanda... Seyfried. So, what? Amanda... Seyfried. Seyfried. So, yeah. I'm, I want to watch it. She's an actress. You remember who she is, don't you? Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 She's got a tattoo on her foot that says Minge. True story, <laughs> listeners. True story. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, Paul, are you going to watch it? What's next? Yeah, I'd watch, I'll watch it. It's good, it's, man. You've convinced me. Yeah, it, I was, like I say, I was cynical. Return to form. It is a return to form. Okay. It's really good. Uh, Zombievers. This oh. is one of my own. Okay. This is Noah Baumbach's as well. Weird. Yeah, I think... Uh, okay. <laughs> I watched it this morning. Let's go. Ten, ten the time. Are you going to be okay to talk about this one because you watched it this morning? Yeah. Um, okay. It's... It, I He's still even, processing the subtext. I don't even know where to this, start this with this movie. Well, if you I, don't know where to start, why did you put it in the box? I because I've seen it recently. That... <laughs> okay, okay so it's basically zombies. about. Uh, it's a, a, the, I think the Netflix uh, blurb is a bunch of randy teenagers go to a go to a lakeside and get attacked. You by can't z- have the Netflix blurb for your right. sixty second pitch. This is where I'll go from. So, <laughs> the concept isn't great, but the concept at the same time is amazing because it's puppet beavers that are zombies and they will attack you and then eventually people will turn into but hold on beaver Connor zombies. beaver is also an informal word for the vagina which they Does do not they do film? not let you forget that throughout the entire <laughs> right. movie um, it's, it's, a, it's a fun movie it's got some funny parts to it it's it's zombie beavers, man. I mean, that's that should be enough. If you like zombies and you like beavers, yeah, you're gonna love. Am I right, beavers, beavers, son? Uh, it's terrible, but also really good. Time up, beavers, son. Yeah, I, uh, I watched the beginning of that zombie beavers, and I thought, I get it, zombie beavers and vaginas, and I see what you've done, but I don't really want to watch all of it. I I might go back. I kind of like it was better than it was a lot better than I expected it to be one of the things I have to say that works in its favour is the practical effects it's puppets and not CGI that made that made a big difference to it it's Mm. it's forgettable it's throwaway but it's the practical effects are no way near as good as Peter Jackson's 1980s and 90s movies no it's bloody as hell there's some gruesome bits in it there's the odd flash of the boob which is always but nice. it's a it's a hilarious contraction of the word zombie exactly. and but beavers. But you could do this with any movie, that, uh, any animal that begins. You are aware that your minutes up. So. Yeah, I know. I'm just talking about other movies now. Yeah, but oh, this okay. is the most cinematically uh, important film. I think that we can all agree of all the things we've talked about. Zombies. We've really got to consider zombies at greater length. You haven't seen some of what I've put in there. Right, so boom, we'll let's, go. <laughs> let's go. Paul, what's up? Paul's digging into that hat again, right, right down into the bottom. Yeah, I'm making this more exciting than it is. And he has got cake, cake, piece cake? of cake. This, this is, is mine. Jennifer Aniston vehicle. This is mine. Yeah, uh, it's the Jennifer Aniston vehicle cake. I've got notes on this, and I'm not even going to read from them. Um, it's Jennifer Aniston. She's stu- suffering from chronic pain syndrome. Um, she also has lost her friend who committed suicide jumping off a motorway overpass. 
uh, overpass, excuse me. Uh, it's hilarious. hysterical for a start. <laughs> Uh, no, th- this thing. This thing was basically noteworthy for the fact that it was the Oscar nomination that never happened, right? Yeah. For for both her and the film itself, um, and I, with good reason. I mean, it's very sort of jingly jangly uh, soundtrack on this thing. They, re- you really feel emotionally manipulated at points in this movie where you don't need to. The subject matter itself has so much clout that it doesn't need to be forced down your throat in the way that it is in this film. Um, I think that it's it looks a, like it's a very worthy film. It, it's that? a strong performance from Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston, but I think that it is just straining so hard to be lauded by the Academy that it actually undercuts what is a basically fairly good low budget drama. Yeah, so, is it? Can I? Is it all handheld? With uh, lots of light in the shot. Like, there's a lot of light in the shot. Yeah. There's a lot of saturation in the shots. Um, it has a vaguely handheld feel about it. There is some really good things in this film, but it. Overall, it's just trying far too hard. Paul, are you going to watch it? I will. See, it's it's. A See, if uh, if you're going to choose, <laughs> that's about the I most will... offensive thing I could say. I was going to say, if you're going to choose a, a film about you know suffering and uh, ongoing <laughs> illness, then uh, Still Alice, which I caught up with not too long ago, this is is, is if, the one to if choose. If Still Alice hadn't come out, would Cake have got the Oscar noms? M- maybe, but I don't think it would have been deserved. Why is it called Cake? Or is that a big um, plot? It's, it's kind of a plot point. It's about what she thinks about when she imagines what would be the perfect situation. It's like digging into Kate because she has a lot of neuroses about what oh, okay. she consumes and how she lives her life. Okay. But yeah, it, it, just trying really hard. Really, really hard. Okay, who pulled out Kate? Paul? I pulled out Kate because it's Pete's. Oh, what have we got? Oh, you guys. I've got a knack for pulling out my own nominations. <laughs> All right, you can start the timer because this is Magic Mike XXL and I'm the okay. only person who's seen it. I'm pretty convinced. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to tell you exactly. Ma- Magic Mike XXL <laughs> is really fucking good because it, the first film, Soderbergh directed. This film, Soderbergh is a director of photography, I, be- I believe, yeah. but not the director. However, yes, the criticism is, oh, they've abandoned all the character development and plot points and so on, and they've just gone, oh, it's going to be a dance film. That's not a bad thing. It's an incredibly well-done dance film that builds to a climax of such, like, well-orchestrated... Yeah, yeah, you're with me. Such well-orchestrated male stripping as to make all other male stripper movies almost irrelevant. Um, Channing Tatum just, like, oozes charisma. This thing is just relentlessly enjoyable I think they go out when they finish their dance routine at the end of XXL Magic Mike they walk out onto like a a sort of balcony and they have that track um, All I Do Is Win and you think nothing has been more appropriate than you set of actors on this particular film All I Do Is Win Magic Mike I I do not know if I still want to watch this movie it was was a valiant effort despite that gusto I'm still not convinced I want to watch Magic Mike. It's your loss, you guys. Everybody I tell about this is like, oh, why would you watch Magic Mike X? It's not gay. (laughs) I think that's that's not what I'm getting at. I think that speaks more to the repressed nation in which we live than to the quality of the I will hasten to add that's not why I I don't want to watch it. My my biggest annoyance with Magic Mike is that everyone said that the first one, which I haven't seen, believe it or not, is a really good drama and it's got some really good uh, points to make it. But yet all the posters were was Chan Tatum with his top off. What's wrong with that? All the posters for every other film, whatever the female character is with her top off or with her cleavage out, look at A Most Violent Year and just like, oh, Jessica Chastain's cleavage. 
there you go, watch the film. Like, I, I just feel like, yeah, okay, you can talk about this being male uh, objectification, but at the same time, we're inundated with female objectification. Yeah. I think let's just celebrate it being guys who objectified for a while and flipping that dynamic. And uh, Jada Pinkett Smith is in this as this sort of like real powerful rabble rouser for, right. for female empowerment. And I, I think, yeah... A lot of people would be surprised how much they enjoy it if they just t- leave their expectations at the door and their sort of prejudices about yeah. what it might be or what it might lack. So, well, that got, got quite deep then. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Almost I mean, as, e- as deep as Zombievers. Go. Zombievers did more for gender equality than. You, you, than this say you, next got, you film, got deep into a Zombiever. Which was Dark Knight Rises. What? Have not you guys I, ever heard not of Not heard this? of it, you guys. No, I've not seen this film. Basically, you know the, the knight that gets all his limbs chopped off in... All right, whose is this one? This is mine. This okay, is mine. This is start the timer. Let's, let's hear what he has to say just, about this. If you just made a list of films you watched at some point in the past. <laughs> no, no. Right, you're reading your time. I watched go, it the other day. Go. Okay. The thing about Dark Knight Rises that is so good are two things. The cinematography and Hans Zimmer. And I reckon without Hans Zimmer, all of Christopher Nolan's movies would not be as good as we think they are. Because this guy is just so Except good. Except the ones where he didn't work with him. Apart from those ones, yeah. <laughs> He's so good at creating like atmosphere and tension and just like you are suddenly thrust into the world of Gotham within seconds of Hans Zimmer's like just horrifying music throughout. Dark Knight Rises is a fantastic film. And as you said the other day, Paul, kind of underrated because a lot of people were just waiting to see the fall of Christopher Nolan and it didn't happen because Dark Knight Rises is a fantastic film yeah it's not as good as Batman Begins which we all agree is the best of the three right I don't know you guys? I'm torn you guys I'm torn you guys Paul I don't know I, I, I like to rate them as a I know it's a cop out as a trilogy as they are like, it's a superb trilogy I, don't know, I, do, I, I think that's lot, time as well but. a lot of the criticism of Dark Knight Rises was as you say I think it's just a nose you're out for Nolan because he's been so successful yeah it was like oh no and then I've I've read people. I've read people say it's the worst Batman film. Definitely not. That's ridiculous. No, that's just like, I think the thing. The thing with Dark Knight Rises is that if you haven't seen it for a couple of years, just get them out and put them on. Because hey, they, get them so, out and put them on. Get them out and put them on. Because <laughs> they, they're who so killed enjoyable. the dinosaurs? <laughs> the Ice, the Ice Age. Age. <laughs> yeah, I think we know which is the worst Batman film, you guys. Well, yeah. Time for the big freeze. <laughs> uh, is it my go? Cool now? it. How, how long is this section supposed I don't to take? Know, I don't just, know. It goes on forever. <laughs> take it out of the hat. We go for twenty-one fuck. minutes. So let's let's see. We'll let's have it. one more round. One more round. Okay. One more round. Watch the Dark Knight. It's really good. The Dark Knight Rises. All know. of them. I watched the three of them. Oh, I've got my own pick. What is it? Necromantic. Oh God. <laughs> okay. Go on. Here goes Paul on his pornographic films so Necromantic is a infamous German film I believe from the mid 80s correct me if I'm wrong um, that is about um, uh, early necrophilia. 80s actually no, necrophilia necrophilia is what it's about um, it's got some very explicit um, scenes of sex with dead people in them right um, Finally, <laughs> someone's broken that barrier again. It's a kind of film that, if you're interested in horror that pushes the boundaries, then it's an interesting film to watch. It's not actually a terrible film. It's not a great film by any stretch. A lot of it is, is done. Is it a video nasty? What's that one? No, I don't think. It, I think it was so under the radar it didn't make the What's video. What's the nasty one where list, the girl but... works in the morgue at night and then starts having sex with the corpses? Is that called Night Moves? Never mind, Possibly. carry on. I'm using your time. So necromantic, yeah. If if you're interested in sort of controversial horror, or dead then, then check it out. Um, it's very grittily shot. It's on a very, very low budget. Even mm. on the Blu-ray, it's it's very, very badly made. It's a very cheap film, but an interesting one for horror fans. Time. I, I will watch that. 
because I like I, I like horror and I like the the ones that especially when when someone says oh this is a horror that came in under the radar then actually yeah I, I kind of want to see that I'll Pete, watch it because I uh, fuck dead people <laughs> all the time you know when you were saying you were going to cut out the Hitler line <laughs> yeah probably. Well, now I can't cut out the headline. Now we've said it. We Seriously, have to cut out this. it's it, it's as if I have magnets between my fingers and the things I wrote down. Or that your piece of paper is slightly bigger than everyone else's, and you know you're. I, honestly, I haven't out. been looking. <laughs> I haven't been looking at all. But I'm coming up gold every single time. What have you picked? I have picked, and you can start the time whenever you want. Uh, Force majeure. I think I'm the only person who's seen it, but I recommend it highly. It's going almost certainly to feature on my best films of the year list at the end of the year it's a film all about a single decision made Wait, by hang, a sorry, single what, man what's what's the film Force Majeure oh sorry I, I, thought, I, thought, you were, again, I thought you were saying Force Majeure I thought you saying that this majeure, is yes. a Force Majeure yeah so the, the, it's the, on my Netflix there's two watch I've got like 20 seconds left you guys so Force Majeure <laughs> is all about one decision one decision for one man what's the film called uh, it's called Force Majeure <laughs> uh, there is an avalanche on a ski resort and one man is with his family two young children and his wife uh, they have to in the in that split second, decide how they're going to react to this avalanche. The man runs away on his own and doesn't protect his family. The rest of the film is about his decision not to protect his family. It is fantastic, acute um, sort of social observation. And it is funny. It's insightful. Uh, it's, yeah, certainly one of the most interesting films I've seen this year. And I recommend it to absolutely everyone. That is Force Majeure. Did it come out this year? Yeah, I'd watch that. Yeah, I think it played festivals last no, year. No, he's, he's not said enough good things about it to convince no. me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm thought, out. <laughs> I thought you were saying this is a false majority of a movie. Well, it is too. Like, and I was like, so what, what's it called? You just yeah. lean up to yeah. it. Uh, all right. Sure, this is the last one. Last one? Yeah. Okay, let's make it a good one. It Did is. You start? No, I started. No, well then we've got to go a whole new round. Uh, I can't read this handwriting. you got to do one and I've got to do one, Paul. Numathum? Numathum? What does it say? Honeymoon. Honeymoon. Honeymoon, we've seen this. We've both seen this, yes. Yeah. Who, whose is that? Now that we know we're doing a new round. Whose is that handwriting? That's my handwriting. That's okay. okay, are you ready? Yeah. So we're going to convince him probably to see this thing, I would imagine. I think so, yes. Okay, let's go. Right, Honeymoon. It's a horror film, isn't it, Paul? It is a horror film. Yeah. I watched it around the same time I watched The Canal and a number of other horror films, so I'm struggling to... I'm going to shock you, Connor. All right. It's about a honeymoon. Okay. All right. Right. People are on a honeymoon, there's two of them. It's a man and wife. And she starts acting very bizarrely, doesn't she? Yeah, she and does. She's not well at all. She does. There's a, there's an incident with, uh, with sleepwalking. She disappears into the woods. Something happens in the woods, we don't know what. It's set in a cabin then? Yeah, it? they're in a sort of rickety old cabin yeah. that is in the family of the guy or something like that. Uh, she goes into the woods, something weird happens, we don't know. Uh, it sort of plays out after that that the guy feels like something is wrong with his uh, wife, new wife. Um, she is doing things like putting stones into the coffee machine or not putting any... What was that? Like not putting any oil when she's making eggs or something. She just burns yes. the hell out of them. And it's it's atmospheric from start to finish. It's not a perfect horror film. Yeah. It doesn't always work. It's atmospheric from start to finish. There's some superb disturbing scenes at the end that are genuinely quite creepy and terrifying. It's, time. it's decent. It's time. See, okay. Decent horror film. I will say uh, I kind of want to watch it because it's a cabin movie. And this is like a whole subgenre of horror, isn't it? And this is what I was thinking about with Zombievers, is that they've seen cabin movies before. They know how to make it better. The problem with Zombievers is that they just didn't. With Cabin in the Woods, 
they saw the whole subgenre of cabin horror movies. There are and they seagulls right now that they, really agree with what you're saying. But they they made it better. So did this movie make the cabin movie, which is essentially uh, Evil Dead? It does make it better. It's or effective. Worse? I don't know if it like breaks new ground, no, but it's it's, 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 a, it's a solid it's a solid genre piece. If you're a fan of horror, there's a lot to like. A lot of the time, a lot of the time, I find I don't know about you, Paul, but like I find I, I watch that kind of uh, classic sort of horror setup, whether it's cabin or otherwise, mm. and I just watch the person sort of drop the ball. Not like I know how to make the perfect film, but I just mean I've watched a lot of yeah. those films. Mm. So uh, you watch them misstep and stuff. Whereas in this thing, you think, yeah, they do a, make a pretty good fist of you know a. a creepy, interesting horror film out of a simple premise. Yeah, it's not, not bad at all. It's well done. Paul, pick one more, because we he started, so we're going to go around you and me, and then we'll be done. Okay, right. Because camera movies should be easy to do, but they're just not. Yeah, it's easy to you do it wrong. camera well, to the woods, that's all you need to do. Jackie. Kajaki. It's got to be you, hasn't it? It is me. <laughs> yeah, I watched Kajaki on a plane. I don't recommend that to anyone because you will jump out of your seat a lot and make everyone feel very disconcerted. It's a movie about uh, British Army soldiers who are fit- situated, I think, in Afghanistan. One of the guys goes out on a recce mission to find what's going on in another bit of like a valley. He steps on a landmine, blows off part of his body, and then the other guys have to go in and help him out. The problem is that they're within an active minefield and they don't know where the mines are. This makes for an incredibly tense sort of nerve-shredding hour of the film in which those soldiers who are now positioned in that active minefield have to figure out how the hell they can move their injured um, compatriots out of the area. They at one point get a helicopter drop to pick them off. Uh, they bring the whole, the wrong helicopter in, which starts setting off other landmines. The whole thing makes you feel incredibly tense, incredibly nervous. It's really well shot. It's not fun, but it is um, a sort of a, a really impactful experience, I think, because it's so different to what my time life is. Obviously, is it? Is it a British film? Yes, it is. Is it, it on the box? Yeah. Does it say the British Hurt Locker? Uh, <laughs> it could, I guess, but it would be as inaccurate as is most it, box yeah, descriptions are. Is it shot are. in real time? It sounds like it kind of yes, is. yes. Like, it, like, they like, cut, but it is vaguely but, but sort it of through sounds one like day. The, the great movies of like the sixties and fifties and sixties, where it's like basically a play that they filmed. That's what it kind it of. It could be like. a stage play. It yeah. could work as a stage play. Yeah, but it, it, incredibly intense. I meant to see it at the cinema and then and I, then missed out because Boyhood rerun, and I went to see the Boyhood thing rather than this. I want to see it. I yeah, see yeah, it's, that film. it's a good film. I want to see good it. Film. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Okay, right, we've got one left. Last one. This is going to be his own. Like we gave ourselves ten, ten minutes to do this, and we're now like thirty minutes. Perfect. Uh, oh, okay. The segments end. It's the world's end. The world's end. Who's advocating? This was mine. Okay, go ahead, Connor. This was the final of the Cornetto trilogy from Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. A lot of people hated it. I really like it. It's it's funny. It's violent. It's got great action in it. It does a little bit of a twist on the sci-fi that you would expect to happen. And uh, I think it's got a, a fantastic performance from everyone involved. That, that's all I need to say. It's a Simon Pegg, Edgar Wright movie. Don't We've you think the only, the only rub I have on The World's End is, you know when he gets the final part? Yeah. And they're sort of explaining the reason for their own existence. Yeah. Um, I found it a little bit, a bit dull and kind of didn't really go anywhere. I, I kind of like that. When, when they're saying we, we need it, yeah. to destroy the world... 
And then he goes, just you can't tell us what to do with the human race. It did, if we want to be fuck ups. I know this is the whole point, but it did seem like the sort of outpourings of frustrated middle aged men, which I know is exactly the point <laughs> yeah. of the film. But, but like, but like sort of boring middle aged men rather than middle aged well, men that I'm engaged with in any way. A lot of people have problems with alien invasion movies. One of the biggest ones was War of the Worlds, and I know mm. that's time, but I'm going to carry on. The is that because it was terrible the Tom no, Cruise but, one but the thing that killed off the aliens was a cold mm. that's exactly what happens in the book that's exactly what no it was the ice age <laughs> <laughs> but everyone had a massive problem with it with World's End I think it was for me it was so much better than Hot Fuzz because Hot Fuzz annoyed me because they did the genre so well but then they never killed anyone apart from the serial killer who killed people but in a big shootout in all the 80s action movies people die left right and centre you watch any yeah. Paul Verhoeven yeah, movie yeah 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 an innocent bystander gets his head shot <laughs> yeah. and then he's used as a bodyguard in Hot Fuzz no one died in World's End it was just brilliant action and a lot of blood spilling there. or sort of yeah. dramatic and that whole and the fact that they're fluids. getting more and more drunk throughout is it's just very funny. genius yes. yeah it was fun it was good fun it's been a while but yeah it was a fun and movie I'd like to again. and also it's one of those movies where if you listen to the commentary the commentary is just as funny as the movie Especially well, when they all do an Ian McKellen impression. Well, when you listen to the commentary of this podcast, it'll be even funnier than the actual episode itself. Yeah. So I don't think that's to that possible. When we put no. out our special podcast commentary episode that's coming never. So what, what was this segment called? This segment was called 60 Second Cinema, Connor. We will be seeing it again, probably in the next episode. If not, then sometime in the future. Yeah. Um, but what we're going to do is maybe apply different parameters to this so that we can do, so. whether it's a focus on, on horror films or, yeah. or dramas or whatever it might be, you know, where we just have to keep our reviews really, really short. And that way we can get out the key details and not sort of get bogged down in long I think the winner of reviews. all of this was probably Zombievers. That does sound the most significant film of this. Yeah, this so, yes. yeah. so um, Strange and Cinema endorse on Beavers. Um, apart from that, it is just to say, really, um, that's the end of today's episode, episode yeah. 19. Look it's forward been, to 20. It's been shambolic. We've tested some new ideas. Let us know what you think. Episode 20. Covered a lot of ground. We'll be coming a lot sooner than yeah. episode 19 was because Hell we're yeah. back in some kind of normality. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know that the information that we give at the end of every uh, end of every episode, I should say, which is that you can catch us on Facebook, Strangers in the Cinema. You can go to at Strangers Cinema, which is our Twitter handle. Um, you can also a- email Strangers in Cinema Gmail dot com is the email address. Um, but yeah, just get at us with any comments, anything that you want to see covered. If you think this feature was was good, bad, or indifferent, then let us know. Um, it's basically goodbye from me, Pete. Goodbye from me, Connor. And goodbye from me, Paul. See you next time.